welcome to the Emotion of Web podcast where we take a deep dive into the human condition and I love the diversity of guests that we get on this podcast. Partly, and that's and quite selfish, in that I get to talk to some really incredible and interesting and different people and it, and it shows like the massive diversity that the role that emotion has or the role that emotion plays in the workplace. Now, today's topic is sort of, well, I guess... There's a term that kind of kind of kicks around HR a lot, which is employee engagement, and it's always kind of made me shudder. It's always kind of given me that kind of Ooh, thing down your spine, um, partly because it means so many different things to so many different people, but also it, it often just gets reduced down to like a survey and an action plan that invariably never happens or never gets done anyway. And then I guess more recently, I've noticed that there's a new term entering the lexicon to, that kind of replaces or maybe for some people sits alongside employee engagement. And that term is employee experience. So as as happened before with episode, I think it was 11, where um, I wanted to get a, someone on to talk about clean language because I, I heard saw the term clean language. I thought that sounds like a load of rubbish. But rather than me make a, a biased assumption as to what it means, I'll get someone on the air that knows a lot more about it than me. So that's what I wanted to do with employee experience, really. So just because I, I'm seeing this phrase entering the, the kind of language patterns that I see in conferences or around HR folk, actually, you know what, I'd like to get someone on who, who knows a lot more about that topic than me. So our guest today is Lara Plaxton. Now, Lara is a practitioner and, if I may be so bold as to say, an early days researcher, particularly into employee experience. So before we kind of carry on and get into more, let's get on the air. So I'd like, like to welcome to this podcast um, our guest, Lara Plaxton. Hello, Lara. Hi, Phil. Thank how you for having me. Thank you. And how are you doing today? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Good. So thank you for, for joining us. And we'll find out a, bit, a little bit more about what you do and, and why you do it shortly. But before we get into that, um, I have my standard opening to this podcast, which is a um, an unexpected but innocuous question. So uh, if it's all right, I'll ask you that next. Is that OK? Of course. Fab. So my question for, for you then is what has got away from you recently? an interesting question <laughs> um what has got away from me i think um probably time always gets away from me okay uh, and I'm, I'm forever chasing it so yeah i think um being able to be as efficient as i can do and try and make the best use of my time is is something that i'm always chasing and, and are there any particular examples of recently where, where either it's either you managed to kind of not let it get away from you quite so much or where actually it's really got away from you um, yeah, I mean, I think even uh, this week has been a, a really busy week, and I think it's just about really trying to um, take the time within a busy period to really just have the space to think about priorities and what needs to get done and, and juggling all of that, and, um, you know, not just inside of work, but uh, life in general. Um, but I think sometimes just taking that time to, to breathe and reflect is important during busy times. Indeed. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, so, so the thing that's got away from me recently is money. Um, right. So um, for, for, the, for, for our listeners, um, I completely forgot that I was recording this podcast this morning. Lara rang me about half an hour ago and said, are we recording today? And I was like, yes, we are. And I completely forgotten. Um, and, and the reason for that is because about half past five last night, I got a, a succession of texts from my bank to say, have you made this transaction? Have you made this transaction? Have you made this transaction? Um and that's kind of just hijacked all of my attention really since then. So yes, I, I, I you know, I've, I've managed to achieve other things, but my mind keeps wandering back to how did they get my card? Um, how did that happen? Um, because I'm not, I, I'm quite 
uh, I like to think I'm quite sensible and stuff when it comes to, to online security and yet um, uh, and yet that, that seems to have happened so that's kind of hijacked a lot of my attention um, over the last 12 hours or so so apologies again Lara and I feel like I want to do it like on the air and on the air apology for the fact that I completely forgot that we were recording the podcast this morning so well thank you but yeah it sounds like you've definitely had a lot of stressful things on your mind so <laughs> not a problem at all <laughs> um so thinking about what you said around time then and, and and I guess maybe this is a bit of a tenuous link but I'm not sure actually in terms of the employee experience i guess time is something that that must get away from a lot of organizations and the employees that work within them as well and does that affect the employee experience do you think yeah definitely i think um you know that's the interesting thing about employee experience is it encompasses everything really um and you know trying to understand all of the aspects that impact that experience is really important and that, you know being able to measure that so that we can make informed decisions when we're designing it because essentially employee experience comes down to you know the, the emotional connection that individuals have with an organization and, and how you interact with each other and and so time is a key factor in that mm. and how how did you where did your your interest or your fascination with its employee experience come from um so i think it's i think in essence it's always been there although i probably didn't really understand what employee experience was <laughs> um so from a kind of practical perspective um the way i'd always approached hr was really trying to kind of um, immerse myself in, in in the culture and really kind of understand you know how people interact with each other how that informs their um, you know their emotional responses and how they behave and, and that's kind of what really interests me in an HR context and how we can make the best use of it for our employees and our organization mm. um, and I think combined with that um, you know I also got involved about three years ago in, in implementing um, a big HR system um, so we had a, a big kind of technological changes so that also kind of led me more into the technology world and trying to understand um, that in, a, in the organizational context and, and again how we make best use of technology um, and, and so it kind of got me more involved in understanding user experience which is really where employee experience is derived from um, and I suppose what fascinates me is that, you know, from a non-technical background, I'd always sort of seen IT as a bit more separate to um, that kind of human experience. Um, and I couldn't have been more wrong because actually technology and, and the human experience are, are kind of one and the same. And, and actually kind of getting the best user experience is really about having a, a human-centered approach. And so I think HR and IT, uh, as we go into the future, will become more and more intertwined um, and working very collaboratively to achieve really the same end goals. Mm. <laughs> so, so that that uh, so there's a number of things that in, in my head. So, so uh, in in a minute, we'll we'll I, I think we might benefit from taking a step back and trying to define some of the stuff that we just talked about. So, trying to define what. So what is user experience then and how does, how does employee experience link in with that or how, how do those two things link together? Um, but that last thing you, you mentioned in particular really got me thinking. If I was to ask like 100 HR people, which function in the business do you think HR needs to either needs to or will be working more collaboratively with in the future? I don't think many would say IT. 
think that's a really interesting thing because when I speak with our CIO, he very much sees HR as the as the key department, you know, as we go forward to work with. And I think, you know, we need more of that, you know, the kind of senior HR and IT professionals within organizations understanding how much their roles impact each other. But I think in general, you know, that's uh, something that I find within organizations anyway is, um, you know, perhaps a kind of a misunderstanding as to how important working collaboratively will be as we go forward in the future. You know, quite often you'll have um, everyone sitting in their little kind of silo departments, you know, coming up with, with ideas and solutions for their areas, but without really kind of considering the impact of, of what that, you know, what that could, you know, sorry, the impact for the other departments. And I think that's kind of, you know, in some way how our approach to HR at FDM developed probably kind of four or five years ago. Yeah. And working kind of quite differently um, in that we really kind of took a step back to understand, you know, how we could create core value for the business from, from an HR perspective. Um, uh, and without really knowing what systems thinking was about, what we were actually doing was kind of taking a, a systems thinking approach, which is to look at the organization as a whole system um, and really try and understand all the kind of um, components that make up that system and how they all interrelate with each other and impact each other and I think the more we kind of just see departments in isolation in terms of what they do the more challenges and barriers we create for a company um, and I th- you know a lot of my work was going around to other departments saying well have you spoken to this department because actually what you're going to implement could impact their area um, you know and it's really important we create kind of workshops where we're kind of collaboratively collaboratively um, working together to really understand how we get the best results Um, and so what we actually plan to do um, at FDM because of who we are as an organization so uh, just to kind of explain yeah yeah, go on yeah (laughs) Um, so we uh, take on graduates but also we have our ex-forces and our returners program Um, we recruit over a thousand candidates per year uh, bring them into our offices and train them in our academies in various kind of uh, IT disciplines um, for around about kind of 14 to 16 weeks um, and then we deploy them out to our clients to go and work a, as consultants for our clients delivering um, sort of digital services for them mm. uh, and so what's interesting for me is that about kind of 85-90% of our workforce isn't in our offices they're out with our clients immersed in our client environments um, and kind of working remotely to us um, so for as an HR function, you know, we are a people organization and what was really important to me was rather than, you know, you'd inferred it earlier, going down the route of looking at initiatives around employee engagement that perhaps can seem a little abstract to the C-suite sometimes when um, HR are kind of coming up with these things, <laughs> um, yeah. was actually looking at commercially, what do we do as a business and how can HR add value? and what we did was to really align ourselves with our sales function who are working with our clients on a day-to-day basis, who are ensuring that our consultants' well-being is, is doing well out on site, um, you know, ensuring that they've got the skills and the knowledge that they need to deliver for the clients um, uh, and seeing how that piece works. And so really now, you know, the way that we work is our HR team are out on site 
our client environments, understanding that kind of cultural culture and environment and the challenges that they face on site and being a support for those consultants so that we can deliver the best service for our customers. And in doing that, it's allowed us to take a real kind of systems thinking approach um, in that we understand a lot more of all the nuances around the business um, and how that functions. And we're very much core in delivering the best that we can to not just our employees that are out on site, but also our customers. And I think, again, that kind of comes back to some of the core thinking from um, even sort of the Harvard Business Review. They put together a service profit chain, um, which I don't know if you're familiar with, but no. that's... That very much has at its core um, kind of employee satisfaction and sort of employee retention and productivity and how that then equates through to the sort of external service value and onto the customer satisfaction um, and um, and obviously the, the revenue growth and profitability of the company. So very much this service profit chain sees the employees as a core component which impacts the customer and then obviously impacts um, the, the organization's growth overall. And I think that's where kind of HR become critical within that. Um, and so I think that was kind of an interesting component for us uh, to come back to your question in terms of what departments we have to work with collaboratively. Yeah. Um, and for me as an HR function, it was, it was all of them. Um, I think very much certainly understanding um, the business functions and how we can help them and not necessarily with add-on initiatives, but actually kind of core functionality through our kind of people insight and knowledge. Um, and, you know, again, with that, I think IT is also critical within that because digital informs that employee and customer experience and, and how we interact with them and, and how we, you know, innovate and remain competitive in today's market so you know if people and technology are the core of who we are as you know for our future businesses then yeah. in hr are critical within that yeah so uh, uh, oh there's so much in that i want to that i want to go back and, and, and revisit so the first thing i'm going to do though is to to say to anybody listening i want you to um uh, to uh, challenge or agree with me please so i said I made a very blasé generalisation that I thought if I asked 100 HR people, not many would say that the function we're going to collaborate most with is IT. So um, uh, on on Twitter or wherever you you know kind of get your podcast from, um, please feel free to leave comments or or mention myself or Lara. Lara, what's your Twitter handle? Um, it's uh, at underscore Lara underscore HR. Okay, so either at Phil Wilcox or at underscore Lara underscore HR. Um, tell me if I'm talking absolute rubbish. You know, tell me if I'm if I'm spouting a load of um, uh, yeah, call bullshit on me if you need to, um, and tell me if uh, if if I'm making it up. Um, I, think it, I think in this day and age, it, it, you know, from what I see, the, there's an awful lot more collaboration between HR and IT going on within companies, which is fantastic to see. So uh, we're certainly not an isolated case. There's an awful lot of it going on, and and actually. Um, more predominantly in the public sector as well. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of kind of IT thinking and, and the way they approach things, infiltrating um, the way people approach HR. So uh, I'm sure there will be some some Twitter um, <laughs> people coming back to you on that. Yeah, okay, that sounds good. Um, all right, so we've had a few different terms that we've, that we've kind of talked through so far. So we've had employee experience, we've had user experience, um, also sometimes known as UX, um, 
we've also had systems thinking as well and and you uh, you sort of define systems thinking for us um as you were working your way through that the idea or the notion that you don't look at something in isolation you have to look at it how it sits in, in and how it interfaces in with everything else that happens and everything else that goes on um and and that kind of links in with a lot of the work i do around how i i go on all the time about how context is everything that you can't look at something in isolation you have to look at it in context with um with what's happening what else is happening elsewhere what else has happened in the past and what could happen in the future and then that that gives you an idea of, of where you can go to to analyze something um but can we take a a, a pause to kind of define either because you said that the employee experience kind of comes as or has come as a result of user experience so would it be useful to def, to come up with a, like a working definition of what we mean by user experience or ux yeah so i think user experience is really um a look at how you um, emotionally connect with the user to enhance their satisfaction of a, a product or a service um i think you know, traditionally, uh, it, it comes from kind of the technology world, and so you know, it would, user experience experts would, for example, look at a website, see where users were clicking on a website, um, understand that journey through the website, and how they make it the most accessible, the easiest to use, um, you know, the the most engaging, and um, so that people want to go there. Okay. Um, and there's, you know, it incorporates an awful lot of stuff. It's not just a, a kind of technology approach. It's psychology. It's, um, you know, it's about that kind of human experience. So it integrates a, an awful lot of aspects into it. But I think what's core to user experience, which I think is is sometimes a missing link, is that design process and design. Obviously, uh, design theory goes back a, a lot of years before you know technology was really core to kind of what we do. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I think that's the user experience design theory um, is what is really critical to employee experience um, and understanding how to make it as effective as you can. Um, and so I think, yeah, that's that's what's really kind of core is that design process that you go through um, and then understanding kind of the emotional connection that you can gain and the behaviours that derive from that to get the outcome that an organisation would hope for. So could you give me an example of, of, of that from either your experience or from a HR point of view then? So how would that design theory slash systems thinking approach, how, how have you or, or, or would you or do you apply that to a to an aspect of your work? So I suppose, I suppose if we go to kind of design thinking, because certainly um, it's something that a lot of organizations are starting to incorporate in, in terms of the way that they um, approach how they implement something. Um, so really that's kind of looking at how you define what the problems are initially. Um, you look at kind of the challenges that, that you might have. Um, you then co-create, uh, get a lot of people in a room with lots of post-its, maybe have a hackathon um, and really kind of come up with ideas which could be from the crazy <laughs> to the uh, more practical um, to really kind of brainstorm and, uh, and try and create a lot of ideas um, around kind of the problems that you might be looking at. Um, then it's kind of defining that further and, and deploying that, um, but then testing it. And I think this is a core part of what experience is about, is that it's not about um, you know, spending a lot of time designing something and then coming up with something in the end 
that then stays there, doesn't get measured necessarily, and perhaps a few years later gets re-looked at. The whole point of the experience process is that it's continual change, so you don't just kind of sit still on it. Um, And so it is about implementing something, then measuring it, seeing what the impact of it is, and then being able to go back in and iterate and, um, you know, re-plug some changes into it to try and tweak it and define it a bit better. So the whole designing thinking process is a is a continuum it's not a, a linear process and so I think you know for me what's interesting about experience in general is um certainly it, it's about changing the way you do things and the way that you think um I think a lot of people kind of look at employee experience and think right we've got to go out and buy lots of fancy technology because that's how you create a great experience yeah uh, and that's not the way to do it the way to do it is to start looking and thinking at it differently and you know part part of that you know you've you probably heard some of the um sort of exercises that people go through um which come, which comes from kind of user experience which is looking at personas um so coming up with uh, the type of employees that you might have within an organization to okay. understand that persona um looking at the journeys that they go through and the touch points so you know, really experiences interested in the interactions that you have with individuals and understanding those interactions or those touch points and understanding which ones are more meaningful in terms of changing that emotional connection and behaviour um, so that we can understand them better. And, and they're the elements that we might focus on as, as a problem that you then create further ideas from it and tweak that element within the journey to then measure and see how that changes an individual's overall behaviour. Um, so I think, you know, when you think of experience, it's not about looking at, it's about looking at the whole thing, but it's also about kind of breaking it down and understanding how each interaction impacts the next one um, and how that kind of flows through. So I think, you know, a, a useful exercise to begin with is to kind of map out that journey, map out the kind of core interactions that you have with your employees and you need to think about it um from before someone even applies for your company because okay. ready you're creating an emotional connection with an individual before they've even decided to apply for the job um, and I suppose that comes into a bit of that employer branding concept yeah. and then right through to the end as well um, you know the end for me of employee experience isn't when someone resigns or, or leaves the company it, it's way beyond that because I think um, you know maintaining that emotional connection with people that have worked for you it's really important so that they're continuing to advocate the company hopefully recommending people to come work for you um and i think if you you know if you look at companies um out there that do great experiences you can see kind of the difference that it makes so i suppose in in the customer experience side of things you know apple's a big one that out there in terms of how they get users to emotionally connect or customers to emotionally connect with their products um, through you know fantastic design but also that kind of it is very much an emotional connection often that customers have with Apple you know if you go into an Apple store it's a different customer experience to a lot of other stores that you go to and a lot of people just go in there to hang out because they enjoy being in that environment yeah Uh, and that breeds a different kind of emotional connection which is a, a loyalty that, that you don't see necessarily with other brands um, I suppose on the employee experience side 
although it is um, a, a bit of a classic one, um, but certainly Google and, and certainly in the earlier days was one that, you know, we all know what the employee experience is like at Google because everyone talks about it, you know, um, from the kind of fun environment to, um, I, I know they've implemented some changes recently, but from when they first started out, you know, 20% of their time used to be focused on learning about things that just interest themselves not necessarily related to the role so yeah uh, you know there was a lot of aspects in their day-to-day employee experience that was very much focused on the employee and, and making that experience the best it could be for them and I think probably above all else when I look at employees that used to work for Google they're always the ones on Twitter or LinkedIn that always put ex-Google um, employee on their profile yeah always something they're proud of it's always something that they promote and that has really helped Google be able to get some of the best talent because you know they're continual advocates um, so I think the power of experience is, is really critical I think I've gone way off from your question <laughs> <laughs> no it's fine it's okay it's, 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 it's useful and interesting um, so, so if I think about then so you mentioned earlier on that the FDM recruit um, IT graduates go into an academy for a period of time then they go off to a, a, a client site where they're they're consulting for uh for it projects or, or um, of some description is that right so far yeah yeah, yeah. okay so so i guess then if, if i look at a a segment of that employee experience so you've and, and this is something you alluded to earlier on so I, i'm i'm a graduate i've completed my 14 to 16 weeks i then go to a uh, a, a client or a customer site and and I, I I've got two um, uh, I've got two cultures that I have to kind of consider so one is the is the FDM one and where I've come from and the interactions that I have with you as my employer but also I need to fit in I need to fit in in, in the office in the teams in the function in the business unit that that I've now been placed in so my experience with you as my employer might be amazing but my experience with the the team or the client might be awful likewise my experience with the team or the client might be amazing but actually my experience with with you guys isn't great at all but both of which could cause me to you know look around for other jobs to leave to 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 bitch and moan about you to to do all those sorts of things so how how are you how how do how yeah how do you track that how do you monitor that then so i think um yeah it's a really valid point and and it's definitely a challenge i think for any organization where your employees aren't necessarily kind of working at a desk in your office and, and you can have a, a direct impact on them um you know there's a lot more kind of indirect aspects to their experience that might be harder to control but i think it doesn't mean that we can't understand them as best as we can um and i think there's probably a couple of important things that come out of kind of what you talk about one of them is the kind of cultural aspect um and i think you know one of the things that got me into hr in the first place was when i was younger doing a lot of traveling um you know i i uh, had a real interest in anthropology and kind of immersing myself in in kind of other cultures and trying to understand them from their perspective and I think for HR practitioners that's a really important impro- approach to take um, because I think you know we uh, we often talk in cu- about culture in quite an odd way I think sometimes within HR in that 
In an odd way? Uh, just in, in terms of we feel that we can um, make cultural change quite easily, I think, in, in some ways, you know, the way that it's discussed. And I think, um, you know, it's it's very challenging. Culture is such a, an ingrained part of who people are. And I think you can nudge elements of it, but I think it takes a long time to actually change culture. And I think, you know, if you become, if you're working for a company, automatically you become immersed in that culture, but it's really important to still try and take a, a kind of outsider's view of that culture. Um, because I think there's obviously all the cultural norms and things that when you're within that culture, they they resonate with you, um, they mean something to you in a different way to an outsider. Um, yeah. But have a, a big impact to the way that you act as an individual, the way that you feel, the way that you behave. And so understanding all of those cultural nuances is really important. And so for us, where we're potentially dealing with two cultures um, uh, and how that's impacting an individual, it's really important for me that we kind of have that outside-in approach of really trying to understand it because I think that has a big impact to their experience and obviously we're less in control of a client's culture and, and what that looks like. But what we can do is understand it and understand how it impacts individuals so that we can um, manage things appropriately or prepare people or just kind of understand at least kind of why they might say or feel how they do. Um, I think in terms of kind of, you know, being able to manage that, it just really is kind of um, about asking people as much as you can do and really understanding I think it comes back again to that kind of experience design process of looking at the important touch points within someone's career so understanding that emotional journey that individuals go through and I think you can track that you can kind of assess it and understand where the important aspects are so for example um, at FDM yeah. we don't annual um, employee engagement surveys as a lot of companies don't anymore um, and engagement for me uh, a little like yourself you know uh, it's a bit hard sometimes to understand and interestingly I went on the engage for success website the other day and they slightly amended what engagement means and I think what's interesting for me is uh, if you talk about user engagement in the context of user experience it's not trying to define what behaviors that you're looking for it's just talks about trying to um, improve the interaction to improve the satisfaction for individuals but that yeah. could be different for every single experience and I think trying to define engagement as one size fits all is not necessarily appropriate um, but I think when we look at the um, when we look at kind of that whole journey and understanding it for our employees that are out on a client site, yeah. for me, what's interesting is trying to define those important moments within their employee experience or their career journey and understand those data points that we want to get an understanding of how they're feeling and how they're behaving um, because we know that they're critical moments when perhaps um, you know their behaviors might change you know they're slightly longer away from our um, office environment so you know perhaps the, the connection becomes less strong so it's an important moment to kind of check in and understand how they're doing um, yeah. and I think that's kind of what's important with experience is that 
you know, okay, we've done away with the annual surveys for a lot of people, you know, but what they are doing is implementing pulse surveys, which could be monthly, could be quarterly. Again, they're looking at a moment in time when they're measuring how people are feeling and how they're behaving, um, rather than actually looking at a moment in a journey, um, which I think is far more critical if we want to understand how people feel and how they behave is, you know, really focusing on those important moments and so for us for example um, we'll look at uh, when they've been out with our clients for um, uh, a kind of three month period uh, okay. and a month period and we'll look at the kind of critical times and because we've got so many employees going out on a, a day-to-day basis we have data coming in then every day because as people hit um, six months out with our clients we've got their data coming in from that point um, and so what we can actually track is um, at six months into their employee experience out on site, this is how people are, uh, are feeling and behaving um, rather than saying, you know, on the, the last day of the month, this is how everyone feels, which yeah. they're all at different points in their experience and their journey on the last day of the month or the last day of the quarter. Um, and so I think we just need to start thinking differently because if we want to try and assess data, we need to make sure it's the most useful data um, to get an understanding from, if that makes sense. Yeah, so so the, so those critical points that you mentioned then for you or for FDM in particular, they're chronological points then for you, are they? So I, I think I heard one month, three months, six months? Yeah, so we'll take kind of chronolo- chronological moments within their um, employee journey as they uh, go through their time with us because okay. we know we know from experience that they're kind of critical times when um, we can influence how they're feeling and how they're behaving, um, as opposed to just random points. <laughs> okay. And are there any other are there any other critical moments then? So you mentioned, you know, the, the if you if you can be clear about or you know what those critical moments in someone's career are, then you can use those you know, you can use that knowledge then to, to establish how people are feeling or the, you know, the, the extent to which they feel emotionally connected at those points. So you've got the chronological ones. Have you got any other ones? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, I think if we just think of it more generally rather than in sort of the FDM context, yeah, okay. anything where there's kind of um, sort of decision-making moments that could potentially be career-changing are really important. So whether it's... Um, you know, any kind of performance management process, whether it's any um, decisions around progression opportunities, um, you know, obviously, certainly around the kind of initial stages of recruitment, selection, onboarding, um, they're really critical moments to kind of understand. So, you know, throughout that whole employee experience, there there's going to be numerous kind of elements um, uh, and components that uh, are going to be really important for you to try and understand as much as you can do and I think that's where it comes back to that design thinking process because if you can assess the data at those points and try and understand it then you can then go back look at the problems from when you were assessing that data and, and go back into that design thinking process to come up with different ideas um, uh, and try and then measure how those changes impact that experience but I think the whole time what you're trying to look for and understand is is that kind of emotional connection and, and how it drives the kind of behaviors that you want as an organization and how, and how do you measure that then at the moment Laura is that um, 
So yeah, we don't have any kind of uh, fancy AI tools that kind of robots <laughs> around on a day-to-day basis. Um, and I think you know, I'm you're not you're not using like facial recognition. You know, hacking into people's webcams and seeing how many times a day they smile or anything like that. Then, unfortunately, no. no. <laughs> um, I think you know, obviously, uh, surveys are a tool that people use, but I, I recognise that there's elements uh, within surveys that aren't necessarily always helpful, but they do allow us to understand um, some aspects of, of of the experience and the journey. Yeah. Um, through technology, it's quite helpful because you can assess things like how often people log into systems, what kind of activities they're doing in those systems, um, and that gives you a real indication of, you know, how people might be feeling and, and behaving, whether they're constantly in their emails and, you know, working all hours, or, or whether they're kind of not working at all. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, you know, I think there's there's ways through technology that you don't have to ask people how they're, they're feeling and behaving, but you can actually see that for yourselves um through the digital tools so they do allow us to to understand um a a bit more uh, around kind of what people are doing um to try and kind of understand people a bit better but i think i think for me what's important is you know like i say we don't have loads of kind of fancy tools and you know there's certainly some elements around implementing ai that i think you do really do need to understand what information you are getting what are the limitations of that technology because however great it might look you know technology is always going to have limitations and you know you have to account for that when you are trying to assess the data and understand it um i think there's also a huge element of ethics around that as well which i think will be big for companies as we go forward where you know people are putting fitbits on employees and monitoring kind of where they're going kind of throughout the day um and I think, you know, that has the potential to create a bit of a disconnect between the organisation and the employees and elements around trust. I think trust is a big um, a big kind of part of yeah. that emotional connection, which if organisations don't get right and don't build that trust, then they're not going to be able to deliver great employee experiences. Um, you've only got to look at the Endelman Trust Barometer, um, the report this year. Again, you know, employees are seen as much more trustworthy than CEOs and the board of directors and stuff, which were they, they were last year. Um, so there's definitely a, a kind of bit of a disconnect, I think, between organisations and the employees. And I think being able to um, put employees in charge of their experiences is also kind of really key. Yeah, because I, I guess the, one of the one of the challenges with looking at things like uh, system access or system utilization or, uh, or time online or time on whatever is you can <clears throat> that gives you a really clear idea as to what the behaviour is. It doesn't necessarily tell you what the what the emotion or the feeling or the connection is that sits behind that. You can see that you can see what somebody's doing, but you can't necessarily see kind of how they feel so I'm guessing then there would be a need to support that with other data sources to say okay well I I can't conclude that because Phil is on his emails every day and he's spending so however long or you know Phil's on on this system and he's doing these things uh, every day that doesn't necessarily preclude that he is um, engaged or he's having a great experience it could just be that he's you know got a manager watching over him every minute of every day and if he's not you know if he's not being closely monitored he gets in trouble so therefore he's he's you know omnipresent if that makes sense 
Yeah, I think 100% agree with you. I think it's um, it's something that people do quite often. I see, you know, uh, around data is they'll kind of, you know, see a result come through from the data and it seems to fit what they hoped it would. And then they're quick to kind of make an assumption and say, yes, this is the, the result. Um, uh, and I think it's not entirely accurate and you have to kind of take everything into consideration. So, for example, we do do a lot of correlation um analysis around kind of our our consultants out on site with our clients and, and the interactions with, with our clients to understand you know how, how that relationship manifests itself and, uh, and how it interacts so we can kind of better understand it and hopefully deliver a, a better service for both our, our employees and our, our clients um, but you know I understand as well with correlation that you know it could just be a coincidence that you see patterns within that data and so uh, you know a big part of what we do is to actually take the insight that we get from the data analysis that we're able to do at the moment um, and and take that around the business to then get um, people to interrogate that data and put their own observations to that data to kind of really try and make a, a more informed decision because you know it's um I suppose it's a, a, a comes back a bit to that kind of cultural aspect you know someone within a culture will see things differently to someone who's outside of that culture and if you're yeah. looking at the data someone in one department will view it very differently to someone in a different department and so having that insight from all around the business on the data analysis that you have um, without trying to kind of make assumptions from it, it is really critical. Um, in an ideal world, I would love to have a, a huge function where we can do kind of causation analysis and do um, a lot better um, kind of analysis so that we're, you know, uh, we're in a better scenario to be able to kind of um, understand things from the data but obviously as with any company you, you do what you can uh, with what you have but interestingly I think it's important as well when you're looking at research um, is to understand the quality of the assumptions that they're putting out there as well so I see an awful lot around how um, employee engagement uh, equals customer satisfaction so the more engaged your employees are the better satisfied they are um, and uh, you know it's always relates back to correlation um, yeah. which always fascinates me because you know the, there's no definitive um, there's no definitive answer to say uh, with anything that correlates to each other that they're causing the other one to happen yeah. uh, and I think especially given the fact that uh, None of us can really define engagement in a helpful way. I'm not quite sure even what they mean. <laughs> um, yeah. But interestingly, there was um, uh, a great study by um, Moira Clark, who uh, works at Honey Business um, School in customer management. And she, with some fellow colleagues, had done a project um, where they'd done some analysis over 10 years um, and we're looking at causation rather than correlation so it's a lot more interesting to me um, and the results that were coming back on that was around the fact that employee engagement as they viewed it they found um, causation between employee engagement and how it impacts retention and well-being yeah. but actually nothing to do with the customer experience or organizational performance as a whole um, and actually what what they did find um, caused uh, a change or an impact in a positive way to the customer experience and organizational performance 
was much more around kind of your frontline staff, those that are dealing with the customers, um, and actually allowing them to be a bit more empowered, you know, rewarded and recognised for what they do, but being able to make decisions in the moment for that kind of customer, um, being able to have great team cohesion um, and a structure within that team so that they feel that they can do the job that they need to do. Um, they're not kind of tied up to lots of other things. Um, and just where they're able to exude that kind of warmth and support and customer care element. And I think that comes back to that emotional connection for the customers to those employees within the organization, which I think for me as well reaffirms why, you know, what, the way that we work at FDM, having HR really involved in our kind of frontline employees of our, our sales staff, as well as our uh, consultants out on site that are working directly with our our clients is, is the really critical area for us to be looking at because that's what really is going to drive a change to organisational performance. And if we can understand how those interactions happen, um, then hopefully we can make both better employee and customer experiences. Yeah, I, I, I agree with a lot of, of what you're saying. And, and I'm saying a lot of because I guess I'm going to put a couple of challenges in, in, in with it as well. So I think sometimes correlation is all we've got you know yeah. so sometimes that's that's the best we can get so I, I you know ideally would we love to do some causation analysis absolutely um uh-huh. but we either we haven't got the the infrastructure or we haven't got the method so when i say the infrastructure we haven't got the uh the opportunity to say right i, I i'm going to work hard to isolate other variables from this equation to establish the extent to which x causes y yeah, so we're starting with a hypothesis that if we have um, more engaged or we have a better employee experience, that that will equate to better customer experience, which will equate to improved organizational performance. If that's the case, then we need to work out what are all of the variables that can affect customer experience, what are all of the variables that can then affect organizational performance, and try and isolate out all those different, all those other different aspects to to or, or to monitor and track all those different other aspects so that we can um justify justifiably link or, or put a causation between x plus y equals z um and i think in in the world of work that's really hard to do a because that the skill set be to be able to do that is really rare i think the uh, the opportunity within an organization for the board of directors or whoever that would be to say yes let's do that let's do let's put all of that effort and energy into doing all of those things to actually find out if that's the case or not is rare um so when i say the infrastructure i guess i mean the um because what that what that needs is a, is a very particular view of a mindset into right we really need to interrogate this data and to a certain degree that might mean that we we pay less attention to other things for the short term because we want to build this rich picture of data in the long term but that can be a really tough decision to sell or make and then the skill set that sits behind it can can be really tricky so um i I agree ideally you'd want you'd want causation studies but you know if you can get decent effect sizes and so on or impact results then great but sometimes the the correlational bits are, are all we have to go with so if i then think back to something you mentioned earlier on which i think if i've understood it correctly is that yes we may review what our employees are telling us or what the the data that our employees submit to us is is saying about their experience at a client site 
but we may also ask the client what their experience is of our employee that's there. So as well as asking the employee, how's it going for you? We can ask the, 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 the customer or the client, well, how is it going for you? To then see if we can establish some, some patterns between the two. So if, if the FDM employee is saying, it's amazing, it's brilliant, it's the best place I've ever worked, I can't believe I'm so lucky to be here, thank you so, so much. And the client's going, yeah, they're all right. Yeah, they're okay. You know, they're, they're, they're doing enough. They're, do, they're doing all right. Um, you know, because uh, uh, you, you've got potentially a mismatch of um, of data there, which you then go and interrogate and, and investigate some more. Yeah, no, I agree with all of what you said. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, you know, it's very true. You know, when I'm talking about certain aspects, I suppose it's kind of ideals that are nice to kind of work towards. I think, you know, certainly when we're talking about humans in an organizational context there are so many elements that can impact it that you know organizations just don't have the resources to be able to understand it you know in every kind of context and understand how it impacts each other um but i think kind of having again having that kind of systems thinking approach and just applying it to the data is really important so that i think it's the assumptions that we make sometimes um that we need to be more careful with so even if it is correlation data that we're looking at or even if it is even more basic than that you know to just understand okay what parts of data don't we have and what other things could be influencing it and you know could it be that customer satisfaction is is what's driving employee engagement and not the other way around and you know just actually really questioning all the data and I think sometimes we're, we're quick to jump to something that might suit us um, rather than kind of questioning it all um, but certainly yeah, for us at FDM it's really important for us to understand both sides you know both the employee and the customer experiences and, and how that kind of relates to each other because then we can hopefully um, understand both sides of it better but deliver better for them as well um, I think if we just look at things in isolation um, potentially we have a danger of making assumptions that might not be accurate um, and you know we can only do what we can do. Every organisation is going to be restricted by the resources that they have. Um, but I think as long as organisations are taking the time to try and understand things and try and make improvements um, and try and kind of understand things in a bigger picture rather than just kind of um, jumping on a solution because they think it will work. And I think kind of taking a step back and, you know, seeing things now that, they are kind of on a, a change continuum it is a kind of cyclical process it's not a linear process it is something that we need to kind of keep measuring and understanding what evidence we have to kind of back up um, what problems we actually face as an organization and then and then try and kind of create new ideas around that um, but yeah you know we're we're limited in, in terms of what we can do I, th I think my my approach to it is just to question everything <laughs> which is probably really annoying <laughs> <laughs> no I, no never annoying always always good always good so uh, and, and i think that you know in terms of the uh, so I, I think i heard i hear them called lots of different things so sometimes i hear them called like moments of truth um which is uh, certainly a, very much a png uh, or I've heard from a lot of people that have worked at P&G type approach where they say, right, well, what, what are the moments of truth for, who, insert blank, you know, what are the moments of truth for 
an employee? What are the moments of truth for a customer? What are the moments of truth for whoever? And then and then designing things that that sit around that. So and that that for me can I'm I'm then linking that in with what you talked about earlier, which is this the the idea of those crucial points in somebody's journey, whether they be you know from a HR point of view, you might say right the moments of truth are um applic- you know, application offer um uh, annual or, or whether it be an annual appraisal or whatever the approach to performance management is that the, those performance management interactions um uh, it could be um milestone life milestones you know so how do we how do we you know deal with with different life milestones that people have whether that be becoming a carer of an infant or elderly whether that be um moving geographically moving for a job um, you know so what what are those those really important moments in somebody's career so and you can gather that data con- you, know, you can even gather that data context specific to your organization you could you know run some focus groups run some you know go and investigate what what are the moments in somebody's career that they say they they say to you matter the most you know what 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 are the moments that have mattered to you the most when you've been here working at, at this organization and then def- and then you can use that to inform when you find out how people are feeling because actually if people's you know if the responses are it's uh, the these five these five times are the most important things for me you know so when i've got a problem at home that's a really important career decision for me because when an organization doesn't support me when i've got stuff going on at home then i think you know what i can't be bothered i'm going to leave or when you've been immensely supportive you've you've get you've engendered my loyalty for a decade to follow um, yes, yeah, so if you can define what those moments are, and then if you gear up your your investigation into how people are feeling around those moments, as opposed to a like you said, yes, yeah, it's, it's the last working day of the month. It's the um, it's the fifteenth of June, which is when we do our annual employee survey every year. Um, if you gear up your data collection to those moments that matter, as opposed to an arbitrary date that you choose then the the data that you're going to collect is going to be much more helpful and beneficial for you as an organization to think about your employee experience than just some arbitrary data that you get at some different times of the year. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think a couple of elements with that. I think um, I have seen some parts of um, employee experience going down the route of em, uh, employee engagement where they're trying to kind of sum up a percentage or a point scoring system and and create a numerical value to the experience as we did with the uh, employee engagement and I think you know most people if you ask them yeah okay we managed to increase employee engagement from 80% to 85% or whatever I think most people would agree that um, it's fairly abstract and no one really understands what that means yeah I can see that we're tending to do the same with employee experience as well. Um, there's a few agencies out there that are starting to put um, organisations in a in a kind of ratings war um, on employee experience and what percentage or how many out of ten are you on on some employee experience rating scale. And I think there's a real danger in that because I think exactly what you've said it it's, it comes back to. Um, those moments of truth, um, which is a sort of marketing term um, applied to customers, um, but I think very much works in that whole kind of um, approach when you're looking at experience, you know, and, and applies to the employee as well. And I think, um, you know, that's something for 
HR professionals to consider is, you know, what are the lessons that we need to learn from employee engagement? Because employee experience is not just a new term for employee engagement. It's also not just a, a rebrand of the way HR does stuff. Um, but actually, it, it's, it comes from um, a whole range of um, other disciplines where we need to kind of learn and understand what they've already learned and understood um, so that we can apply it to our kind of HR context when we're looking at employee experience and obviously that goes back to design theory and into kind of user experience design and um, the way kind of IT and technology approaches things but then also marketing so customer experience was the first area to kind of come out of the technology world as it were um, into defining something slightly different um, obviously the technology world is interested in humans in an organizational context and, and through technology so they will always see that it encompasses everything um, but certainly marketing defined it for for kind of that specifically with customers um, and I think you know moments of truth are, are really is a really useful way to kind of look at things and uh, apply into um, the employee experience I think one element that I would say um, is obviously marketing have really you know there's a lot of studies out there around customer experience and what organizations have done to really kind of develop their brand and kind of build that emotional connection from their customers to the brand um, and how that helps and I think I do see a lot of marketing language infiltrating um, HR which I think is, is a good thing and a bad thing at the same time because I think you know the customer experience is different to the employee experience and whilst there's elements of it that, that definitely resonate and it's useful for us to learn from that um, you know certainly around people kind of looking at the personalization of experiences and how you can try and um, not just kind of create one size fits all for all your employees because everyone's going to want a, a different kind of experience depending on who they are as an individual and so having those choices to be able to define your experience is, is really important if you're able to do that um, also not kind of defining experiences based on kind of stereotypes so the whole kind of uh, millennial thing um, you know not all millennials are the same strangely enough and, and some people that stop the press behave. shock horror story not all millennials are the same <laughs> so you know that personalization thing is is really important and stuff I, I suppose something that doesn't quite resonate with me as much is uh where kind of um the whole concept of treating employees as consumers feels a little bit um strange to me I suppose when we're looking at experiences because I I think that's kind of something that's different so whilst obviously in customer experience you know um, it can be a bit more transactional although I appreciate that their end goal is um, customer retention and, and creating customer loyalty and, and people loyal to those brands I do think as employees we have a different expectation than as a consumer um, and I think it, it could be a danger if we start kind of bringing everything over from customer experience into employee experience and I think we need to think slightly differently because I think it is a, a longer um, it's, a, it's a different kind of relationship you know employees uh, have um, a lot more involvement um, with an organization as an employee than a customer does yeah usually <laughs> well yeah but also the, the, the contract is completely different you yeah, know so exactly. the as, as a consumer I am buying a product from you yeah. as, as an employee I'm being paid a salary to do work you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not buying you. You know, as an as an employer, I don't buy my employees as a commodity. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. 
So I think, yeah, I completely agree. It's that, it's that, I suppose that psychological contract as a, as a consumer or customer compared to a, an employee. And it's my expectations as an employee are totally different to my expectations as a customer. Um, and so I think there, there is a danger if we start going down that road of trying to apply consumer behavior. You know, there's an awful lot of um, research and study out there about consumer behavior. But if we map that straight across to employees, we're not doing our employees justice, I don't think, because my expectation as an employee is entirely different. And I think we need to be coming up with our own uh, concepts around what employee expectation is and how we create the best emotional connection with our employees, which is, you know, derived through who you are as a brand, kind of what you stand for, what your values are, you know, what your culture is and what that impact is, because all of those elements, um, you know, ha have a real impact to the engagement of an individual. Now, I don't mean engagement as defined behaviours, I just mean how they interact with the organisation. Yeah. And, and I, I want to ask a question that actually, you know, as a, so it's a question that I don't want to ask because I don't like it, but it's a question that I can imagine are in a lot of my listeners' heads, which is, so if, if what we're trying to establish is that emotional connection, how do you or are you measuring or quantifying that emotional connection? I think there's um there's different ways that you can do it. Um, you know, certainly from my own kind of personal experience, like I say, we don't have kind of advanced technology. There's certainly a lot out there that kind of will look at. So if you look at user experience, um, a lot of organisations will use, like you say, kind of um, facial recognition to kind of look at people's expressions, um, eye monitoring. Um, you know, they'll um, sort of assess your kind of heart rate, your temperature, all those kind of things to yeah. actually assess people's emotional responses. Well, most organizations aren't going to have the ability to do that. Um, and so, you know, often sometimes it comes down to kind of, um, you know, the, the standard survey, although taking into consideration, you know, kind of the uh, limitations of that. Um, but I think also there's some exciting things out there. So, for example, in recruitment, um, part of our selection process, um, we... Uh, work with a company called Arctic Shores that implement uh, gamification as part of kind of psychometric testing. Okay. Uh, and so through that, you're able to assess people's emotional responses and behaviours as to how they're using the games um, within that kind of process. So it is testing knowledge, but some of it's kind of skills based. Some of it will look at their um, potential to uh, for risk, for example. Um, you know, through those games. So it will really be able to understand um, a lot more of, of the psychology of that individual through the way that they're playing a game. Um, and gamification, you know, you do see that coming in into play uh, a lot more. And I think, you know, it, it's, a, it's a fun way of doing things, but it's also another way of assessing emotion and behavior without asking someone to kind of cognitively respond in uh, you know something that's given to them by the organisation, so already they're probably thinking about how I need to respond. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a fast paced way of just kind of being able to kind of take a check on people and, and get a bit more insight into them. And so you know there's a there's a whole host of tools out there and, and ways of kind of looking at things differently um, to try and understand uh, people's emotional responses. And so you know yeah. I think it's 
Uh, it's going to be trial and error. It's going to be sort of sharing stories and hearing what other people are doing. But I think, I think it kind of comes back to what I said at the beginning: is it's not about kind of racing out there to get the best tools out in the market to suddenly, you know, start being able to monitor everyone and and how they're behaving and feeling without them even realising it. Because you know, most companies don't have the resources to do that. Um, but I think it's actually just comes back to taking it back to the basics, which is, you know, HR just needs to start thinking differently. Um, and we, we're not going to have all the answers. We're not going to have all the data to be able to tell us, you know, how to make the best employee experience for our own organisational context, um, you know, according to kind of what our needs are. Um, when I say our needs, I mean the employees and the organisation. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it, we need to just start thinking a bit differently, um, you know, and, and taking a slightly different approach and, you know, not just thinking about kind of annual and pulse surveys, but actually one of those key moments um, to actually ask employees how they're feeling, if, you know, if it is just a kind of quick survey monkey to, to get an understanding, um, you know, really kind of break down that kind of whole employee journey and, and understand it much better than we do currently. Um, and, and like you say, use other things like focus groups and, and other ways of kind of testing that out and finding out how people are experiencing certain aspects of, of that employee journey and, and then kind of taking it, you know, at the moment our HR room is full of post-its all over the world, um, you know, which is great because it's just kind of hopefully generating ideas and it means if other people from other departments come into our room, they can help contribute as well their ideas and we can explain kind of, you know, some of the thinking around it. So I think you know, it's just around kind of getting people in the organisation to collaborate more. So we're understanding the challenges that all the different departments are kind of facing, co-creating and coming up with new ideas um, that hopefully, you know, help some of the challenges within our organisation. But actually, you know, asking people as well with those kind of changes that we might make, how they're feeling, you know, at those kind of critical moments so we can just understand everything better. And so it, it, for me, employee experience is about thinking in a different way, not having all the tools to necessarily um, give us some kind of, uh, yeah, amazing experience beyond our wildest dreams. No, exactly. <laughs> Whichever kind of technology, you, so let me know, let me, let me start that again. There, we we can never read somebody's mind. So we never truly know how somebody's feeling. And even more so, we never truly know why somebody's feeling that way. You know, even in my role as a behavioral analyst, it's like I can, I can look at somebody's language pattern. I can look at, I can listen to their voice. I can look at their face expressions. I can analyze their body. I can um, look at a big set of data doing a corpus linguistics type approach and see how language use differs by population and so on, all of which I do. But that all that ever does is give me an indication or it suggests how people may be feeling it's never as conclusive as saying this i see this you know i see x that means y it's, it's never that simple you know there's, there's always other other aspects to it that you don't know so whichever whichever approach you go for whether it be surveys focus groups technology um, analyzing language whatever approach you do it's only ever giving you part of the picture you're never going to get the full picture um, my, I guess my, my, my counter to that is if it gives you more of a picture than you got at the moment, then likely is that's a good thing. You know, so the more you can do to, to understand how 
people are feeling, what that emotional connection is like, what are those factors or those variables or those occasions or those times when that uh, that emotional connection gets stronger or weaker. Gather more data around that and the better informed you will be as an organisation and likely you can make better decisions um, off the back of that. Um, but whatever whatever data whatever method you choose you you can never read somebody's mind you know even sticking them in an fMRI scanner isn't going to allow you to read their mind it'll tell you what part of their brain is firing but it won't allow you to read their mind yeah completely agree and I think um, you know if I think of myself I don't know why I think the way I do sometimes so I can't <laughs> someone else to understand that yeah. what technology they have so I mentioned in my introduction that um uh, that you were kind of starting on your research, uh, starting out as a researcher. Um, could could you tell me a bit more about that? What what's what's kind of that? Where are you going with that? What are you what are you wanting to do, or where are you going with that? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you've probably made it sound grander than it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, it's more a case of I've um, just wanted to understand some of the academic research behind some of the areas that are of interest to me and I think um, with social media out there these days um, there's a lot more available to people I think um, academics as well make things much more accessible to people as well so we can understand you know I think you inferenced it earlier you know organizations don't have the resources to do these huge studies um where they're kind of analyzing certain aspects to understand um exactly what's going on um you know whereas if academics are able to get some funding to work on a project that might give us some insight then you know professionals need to be tapping into that to try and understand it and make sure they're making more informed decisions so i think it's more of a uh, conscious effort that part of um, what I do is to try and understand and learn as much as I can do and actually kind of learn new areas. So I think, you know, having your CIPD qualification as an HR practitioner doesn't mean that your learning journey is over. <laughs> um, and I, I'm sure everyone else would agree with that as well. Um, but I think actually exploring other disciplines um, outside of HR is really important to HR. You know, we're, we're moving into um, a world where, you know, job roles are going to kind of change and hopefully job crafting is becoming um, something that organisations will take on more because certainly as um, my kind of career journey has gone on, you know, I've wanted to incorporate other elements that are outside of the kind of traditional HR context and actually the areas that really interest me are kind of um, technology and user experience and elements of marketing and trying to understand that because actually it helps me in uh, my role as an HR practitioner. Um, so I think, you know, through that kind of research, research journey, you know, who knows where it will take me <laughs> eventually, but yeah. it certainly opened up a lot more kind of interesting conversations. Um, and actually, you know, a friend of mine that I know, Dana Brighton, um, she's a professor of digital transformation design. And so um, she's been really critical in my um, learning journey and kind of pointing me in the direction of things to go and look at and research and understand better, um, you know, which has really helped as well. And I think the more interaction we get between academics and practitioners um the better it will be for everyone and uh, who's the professor then at brighton sorry uh so karen cham works at the university of brighton okay i will put a link to her bio or her profile in the show notes as well so that if anybody wants to um you know explore what she's up to and see what she's doing then, then they can go find that as well great okay so is there um 
if, if I was you know listening to this podcast and I was thinking right I, I really want to do something around employee experience and, and I know um, so my, I, I will I, I've done a really thing that hosts should never do I've started to ask a question and I'm going to do a bit of talking and then I'm going to ask the question again I should have just done the talking first and asked the question after but anyway um, so I, I know as we've gone through we've kind of given some hints tips or starting places or where people can focus their attention so if I was a listener to the podcast then and I was thinking right I want to start thinking more about this whole employee experience thing what would you recommend as my starting steps um so something that's been um I suppose a couple of aspects but something that's been really helpful to us is um hackathons and we've had um Perry Timms that's come into our workplace and run a few hackathons um with us which has been great um hackathons are a great way to kind of get lots of people in a room not necessarily just within HR but from all different departments and in our case we had other people coming from other organizations as well okay. um, to actually um, you know run hackathons which are just really around that kind of design thinking process and it within a kind of short space of a time actually get to the end of a, a morning session where you've um, come to the end of it with almost kind of a, a, an idea for a kind of product or a service or a different way of doing something and it's a, a really energized environment to kind of work in okay. um, and they're quite, they're quite easy to kind of put together um, but I think you know uh, as a first step more than anything it's probably just mapping out what your journeys look like and I think you know for any HR practitioner that should be something that that's easy to do it shouldn't be one person sitting in a room mapping that out you know it needs to be a, a kind of energized co-creative environment where you get a few people in a room maybe not even from HR get some employees um, in there as well uh, to look at what that journey looks like um, from beginning to end and those kind of key touch points um, and I think you know straight away that automatically starts you thinking slightly different and then breaking down those kind of key areas to really consider each of the the sort of steps the the transactional steps that people go through but how you can make those more transformative um by kind of enhancing that kind of uh, uh, emotional connection whether it's kind of just making something easier to access um you know not as uh, as difficult or or whether it's just making that uh, a more enjoyable process um uh, and i think you can through mapping out that employee journey you can already start to look at areas that you think actually you know we we know from kind of feedback that we've had that these are potential kind of areas that, that people um face challenges with when they get to that point and so um you know sort of focusing on those areas first you can hopefully start to see some results but the main aim of it is that if you're coming up with ideas to change something is you know just implement a few changes around it and then measure how people uh, are experiencing the changes that you've made and you know has it worked it doesn't matter if it hasn't you know you go back and you and you start creating ideas around that again and if it has worked then great um but you know revisit it later as well and uh, and just continually sort of measure how that those kind of redesigning of um the sort of experiences and the steps people go through um you know make people feel uh, so uh, uh, my addition to that is going to be the temptation as a HR practitioner is to or can be to link that to the the key parts of what you expect the employee life cycle to be like recruitment um, performance management that sort of stuff when you go about it if you frame it in that way then that's the data that you'll get back so 
when you go to collect your data, think carefully about the questions that you ask or the methodology that you ask, because the, the challenge is you could just be checking your own homework. And actually what you learn is how good your HR process or how good or uh, the, what the experience is like of your HR processes. That doesn't necessarily mean that your HR processes are the key important you know, points in somebody's career progression or career journey. They, just because you think they might be doesn't mean they actually are. So make sure you keep your data collection approaches broad. You know, don't ask questions about your own processes. Don't just ask questions about those particular times. The more you can do to um, gather data about what meet the times or the occasions that mean the most to the people, the employees themselves, then that's going to be much more helpful for you to get a well-informed view of customer experience, not just how well do people experience your processes. Yeah, I can, uh, it's, it's very true. And I think what's important as part of this journey mapping is to not just have HR people in a room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to bring people from around the business into the room, have the actual users themselves um, contributing to what that journey looks like. Um, and then hopefully that should deviate away from kind of what you suggested, you know, can often happen. Yeah. So I, I got on a soapbox room and then I have stepped off my soapbox now. Okay, so any um, any recommendations there, Lara, about um, either videos to watch, um, websites to, to read, articles to, to view? So I've picked up a few as we've worked our way through. So I've picked up the HBR article. I've picked up links to, uh, what else have I done? To the Moira Clark study, um, to Arctic Shores, to Karen Cham. Any other places that people should go and, and look for more information if they wanted to go and find more? Yeah, I mean, now we'll, um, I'll send you across a few links so you can... Uh, oh, that'd be great. Thank you. Yeah, when you're doing the podcast. But I think certainly, you know, around design thinking, um, there's an organisation called IDEO, I-D-E-O, um, who do an awful lot of work around that um, and what that design thinking process is. Um, but I think in this day and age, you know, you've only got to go onto the internet and type a few words in there um, uh, and you'll see, uh, you know, there's certainly... Whatever you delve into, you will then find other people that then are, are kind of pulling it apart and putting their ideas in. And I think at the end of the day, you know, that's the whole uh, thing about kind of research and learning is you you find what speaks to you and what what you feel will work for your organisation. It's not about right. This is the definitive answer of, of how it works. You know, it could be that you need to adapt things for for how you do things, but. Um, I'll ping some links across around some some of the core aspects around kind of user experience design um, uh, and systems thinking. But yeah, go out and uh, and have a look on the internet because there's an awful lot of stuff on, on YouTube and, and um, sort of blogs and articles uh, around all of this stuff. But I think you know my main thing is steer away from kind of employee engagement and, and that more traditional sense um, and, and kind of go outside of the HR spectrum and see what's out there. Wonderful. Thank you, Lara. So my final question then, is there, is there anything else that you're thinking, feeling or want to say? <laughs> uh, I don't think so, other than um, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure and um, it's Friday and the sun's shining, so it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Thank you very much then. So thank you so much, Lara. Thanks very much for, for coming on the podcast. If, for our listeners, if you want to find Lara, if you want to keep the conversation going, then on Twitter you can find her at? Um, it's at underscore Lara underscore HR wonderful thank you very much um so we'll wrap it up then so thanks very much yeah thanks very much Laura. appreciate you coming on the podcast so thank you for your time you've been listening to the emotion at work podcast 
Written, recorded and presented by Phil Wilcox. Edited together by Simon Leverton. You can find more information at emotionatwork.co.uk or follow us on Twitter at at Phil Wilcox. Thanks for listening.